You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Today, Lord, we love you so much. We praise your name and we say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10 is uh, what we'll be covering. And we're looking at our identity in Jesus Christ. Our identity in Christ. And knowing your identity is so important, and we see that so much in the scriptures here. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. Notice what the Bible says there. The Bible says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtains mercy. In those two verses right there, I believe it lays out our identity in Jesus Christ very well. Now, knowing your identity is so important. In the spiritual world, it's important to know your identity in Christ, uh, but also the physical worlds, right? You need to have a form of identification. You need to know your social security number and so on and so forth. Knowing your ID and knowing your identity is so important in life. It reminds me of a story about this famous celebrity who um, was helping out in a nursing home at the, in Alzheimer's units. And um, he was helping out in this nursing home, and the majority of the people there had trouble remembering. And as he was there helping, there was a woman in the corner staring at him intently. So the celebrity walked over to her, and he said, Do you have any idea who I am, ma'am? Do you know who I am? And the woman looked at him for a second and said, No, I don't know who you are, but if you go to the front desk, I'm sure they'll tell you who you are. <laughs> she thought he forgot who he was. And I believe we can be like that woman with Alzheimer's from time to time, and we can forget our identity. We can forget who we are in Jesus Christ. And oftentimes we recognize that and we search for our identity. But the problem is we look in the wrong place. Oftentimes we base our identity in what other people think about us. We try to find our identity and worth based on our acceptance by others. But that doesn't work out very well, right? It causes a lot of stress and a lot of issues in our life. Bring in our life because you're constantly trying to prove your worth trying to do for others trying to base your worth on what you do what you do for other people and you become a people pleaser and it causes a lot of issues in your life it brings slavery but it also brings you putting on a show a show in your life because you look a certain parts you act a certain way so you won't be judged and depending on what group you're in is how you'll act you act a certain way at church. You come into an independent fundamental Baptist church in your suit and tie. You got your big B Baptist King James Bible by your side. You look the parts. You act a certain way. But then you go to work and you act a different way there. You listen to the inappropriate joke. Maybe you say some words that you shouldn't be saying and so on and so forth. You act a certain way at work. You act a certain way at church because you base your identity on what other people think. And then you act a certain way with your family. Maybe with your in-laws you act a certain way. But then with your actual family or your mother or your spouse, you act a different way. We do that constantly because we base our identity on what other people think about us. And we're constantly acting to be accepted. But the problem with that is you're never able to be your true self. It brings slavery. It causes you to put on a show. And then ultimately it brings strongholds in your life. You see, basing your identity on what other people think about you can cause you to feel hurts and rejection, and that can develop some strongholds in your life. We've all experienced some hurtful words that was said to us from time to time, and some of you have based your identity on some negative thing that was said to you as a child. 
Maybe a negative thing that was said and you're still harboring your, those emotions. You're still feeling those emotions because you're basing your identity on what someone else had said. Maybe a parent said to you, I wish you were more like your brother. Or you're the most selfish person I know. Or can you do anything right? And so you live your life feeling inadequate, feeling not good enough because of what was said when you were a child. Or maybe someone at school said you're fat, you're ugly, or you're stupid. And so no matter how much weight you lose, no matter how much makeup you put on, or how many books you read, you still feel like you're not good enough. You base your identity on what other people think about you, and that's not a very good thing. You know, that's one reason, one we thing that we do. But secondly, sometimes we base our identity on what we think about ourselves. Now, that sounds good, right? I'm not going to worry about what other people think about me. I'm only going to worry about what I think about me. Well, that's wrong, too. You see, um, oftentimes we're the hardest on ourselves, right? We give grace to other people, but we're very hard on ourselves. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things. Who can know it? Or the heart is wicked above all things. Uh, who can know it? Desperately wicked, I should say. Um, Jeremiah 17, 9. So basing your identity on what you think or what your heart says, it brings lies in your life. Because oftentimes we feel very unworthy and broken. Deep down, no matter how confident you look on the outside, your old nature tells you that you are unworthy and broken. So finding our identity based on what we think about us brings a lot of issues as well. It brings shame into our life because we know the worst things about us, right? We know the worst things about us, the sins that nobody knows about. Those skeletons in the closet that you don't want anybody to find out. And maybe you feel like me and there's some times you say to yourself, I can't believe that I did that. You call yourself a Christian. What if somebody found out that you were acting this way or you did this thing and it brings shame into your life, basing your identity on what you think? It also brings lies, those shameful lies that we tell ourselves. You know, we can be our biggest bully. The biggest bully in life is the bully from within. Maybe you said things like this before, I'm worthless. I'm pathetic. I hate myself. I'm not good enough. There's so many times we can say those things in our life. I know I struggle with it. I'm too young to be a pastor. I'm not tall enough. I'm not good enough for Hannah, so on and so forth. Those are shameful lies that we bring on ourselves. It brings lies, it brings shame, and it brings failure. You see, if you base your identity on what you think, you're going to fall short of your potential. Because you can say to yourself, I can't do it. And in reality, yes, you can't do it, but with God, you can do all things through Jesus Christ. Basing your identity on what you think causes you to miss out on God's potential for you. So we look at it in what, we th what other people think about us. In what we think about ourselves. But now, number three, we can look at the right way. And it's what God thinks about us. That's our true identity in Jesus Christ. That is the most important thing, our identity in Christ. Because your identity and worth are not found in what you do, what you look like, or the opinions of other people. No, your identity and worth is found in who you belong to, and his name is Jesus, the one who gave his life for you. And so that's what we're going to be looking at here today, our identity in Jesus Christ what we are in Jesus Christ. And it's laid out right here perfectly in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And throughout the Bible, we see that to be true. Did you know that there are over 35 different aspects of your identity in Jesus Christ? 35 different aspects of who you are in Jesus Christ. And there's five found here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. What we're going to be looking at is God's true view of you. 
what God Almighty thinks about you. Now, before we get into that, I do want to emphasize this is for people who are born again and who have put their trust in Jesus Christ. Because apart from Jesus Christ, you don't have any of these things because your sin separates you from God. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is separation, separating us from God in our life. But let's finish that verse. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You accept that gift of salvation. You call upon the name of the Lord. You ask Jesus Christ in your hearts, and it can change your life. And you can experience these privileges that we see right here. God's true view of you. Number one, we find out that God thinks of me this way. I am completely accepted. I am completely accepted, number one. Let's look at that verse in verse 9. The Bible says, but ye are a chosen generation. Now, what he's saying there, Peter is alluding to the Old Testament, reminding the readers that salvation is no longer just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles. Jesus not only is picking uh, the Jews to be saved or cherry-picking people to be saved, he's making it possible for the Gentiles to call upon the name of the Lord as well. Now, this is an important thing, the fact that we have been chosen, our generation has been chosen because oftentimes the deepest wounds in life come from rejection, right? Some of you guys maybe remember not being picked at recess, or being picked for a sport, and maybe you still feel that rejection and that hurt. That's not a very good thing at all. But being chosen can do a lot for your self-worth. It's the exact opposite. It gives you confidence. If you're chosen for a promotion, for an award, man, it boosts your self-worth a little bit. I tell you what gets me excited, what gets me going, it's that my lovely, my beautiful, my gorgeous wife, out of all the other men in the world, she chose me. She chose me. I'm accepted by her. That gives me confidence. It makes me feel good a little bit. Amen. And what we find out is God Almighty accepted us. God Almighty has accepted us, and that can give me confidence. Amen. Now, why has God accepted us? Well, it's because of Jesus Christ. What Jesus Christ did on the cross at Calvary. Ephesians 1, 6, the Bible says this, To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted, in the beloved. We have been accepted by Jesus Christ because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross at Calvary. I am completely accepted, and I'll always be completely accepted. You'll always be completely accepted. We cannot lose our salvation because it was paid in full at Calvary. That's number one. I'm completely accepted. But then number two, I am extremely valuable. I am extremely valuable. You are extremely valuable. Let's finish that verse in verse 9. The Bible says, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. Royal, holy, peculiar. You want to know what that equals? That equals valuable. Valuable. All of those things. If you were to be one of those things, you'd be considered valuable. Let's break that down. Royal, holy, peculiar. Royal, that means something or someone that is in connection with the king. Something that's in connection with the king. So, if I were to put my right shoe and sell it on eBay right now, I might get a buck for it, right? Nobody would pay for this right shoe whatsoever. Hannah might bid on it just because she feels sorry for me, but nobody would really pay for this. Nobody would want this. But if a king was selling this shoe, that'd be a pretty penny, right? That'd be, people would be spending millions and millions of dollars just to have this shoe if it was the king's shoe. Right now, the Bible says we are a royal priesthood. We are in connection with the king. That makes us valuable. That's number one. Royal makes us valuable. But then number two, holy. Now, holy means having a divine quality without blemish. 
Now, if you were to buy something on Amazon or eBay, something that's worth a lot is something that's in mint condition. If it's in mint condition, it's worth a lot more than something that has some bruises or some blemishes. You see, in Jesus Christ, I have been forgiven from all my sin, cleansed from all unrighteousness. I've got his white robes, his righteousness in me. I've exchanged my filthy rags for his righteousness, and that makes me valuable. I am holy. I am royal. And then number three, I'm peculiar. Now, peculiar means something special or unique. Now, if you were to buy something on eBay, things that are worth a lot of money are things that are unique, special, one of a kind, and so on and so forth. You want to know something? You and I, we're one of a kinds. We're special. We're unique. That's our identity in Jesus Christ. That makes me valuable. So any of these three makes you valuable. But all of these three combined, that makes you extremely valuable. You and I, we are extremely valuable in Jesus Christ. And all throughout the Bible, we see that to be true. Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7, the Bible says this, Are not five sparrows sold for two farthings, and not one of them is forgotten before God? But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than many sparrows. You see, you're so valuable to God that he even knows all of the hairs that are on your head. I could pluck one hair out of my head and he'd be like, oh, you're down to 3,217. That's how valuable I am to God. Now, what causes us to be valuable again? Why am I valuable? Well, it's because we were bought with a price. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that price in 1 Peter 1.19 was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. It makes me valuable because Jesus Christ paid a lot of money, paid a hefty penny, his precious blood for us. That makes us valuable. If you were to go to Jesus and say, how valuable am I to you? He would say, you're this valuable to me. You're this valuable to me because I died on the cross for you. I'd rather die than live for eternity without you. That's how valuable we are to God. I am extremely valuable. That's number two. So number one, I'm completely accepted. Number two, I am extremely valuable. And then number three, I am eternally loved. Let's finish that verse. The Bible says that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous lights. Do you see the love there going from darkness to that marvelous light? Of Jesus Christ. And then verse 10, the Bible says, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. I'm eternally loved because I'm in the royal family of God. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you were adopted into God's family. God is now your heavenly Father, and because of that, you're eternally loved. It's a love that never ends. Jeremiah 31.3, the Bible says, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. A love that's everlasting, a love that doesn't end. I am eternally loved because God Almighty is my heavenly Father. And there are two characteristics to God's love that we should know about. We find out His love is unconditional. God's love is not, I love you if, or I love you because. No, it's I love you, period. You don't have to earn God's love. God will always love you. It's an unconditional love. But we also find out his love is unfailing. God's love never fails. It's without error and without fault. It's an agape type love. Literally, it's a love that only God knows. God said, my love is so wonderful, I have to invent a new word to describe it. That's the love of God, that agape type love. Now, the reason why it's unconditional and the reason why it's unfailing is because the Bible says in 1 John 4, 8, God is love. God is love, so therefore I'm eternally loved. That's my identity in Jesus Christ. That's number three. Number three. And then number four, my identity in Christ tells me this. I am totally 
forgiven. Look at verse 10. The Bible says, Which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Before you got saved, you were living in guilt and shame, but now you've received his mercy. You and I were totally forgiven. Jesus Christ paid for all of your sins. All of my sins has been paid for at the cross at Calvary. Acts 10, 43, the Bible says to him, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remissions of sins. When I put my trust in Jesus Christ, I was forgiven all of my past sins, all of my future sins. It was all paid for at Calvary. Every single one of them. God knew every sin that I have committed and that I am going to commit, and he still loves me. I'm totally forgiven in Jesus Christ. It's an amazing thing. And the Bible says as Jesus Christ hung there on the cross, he bore our sin, yes, but he also bore our suffering and our shame at Calvary as well. So the times that we beat ourselves up, the times that we get down, the times that we feel ashamed, God paid for that at Calvary too. So we don't need to get ashamed and beat ourselves up whatsoever because we are totally forgiven. That's number four. I am totally forgiven. And then number five, and I'm done, I wrap, I'll wrap up here. <laughs> I am fully capable. I am fully capable. You are fully capable. You and I, we're not incompetent. The Bible says you are fully capable to be who God called you to be. Let's look at verse 9 again. The Bible says, but you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. The Bible says you're a priest. Not, you don't have to go to a priest. You're a priest. You get to talk to God. Now, what is a priest in biblical terms? It means a representative of Jesus Christ. We've been chosen to be a representative of Jesus Christ, to represent Jesus Christ to the worlds that we live in. He wants you to speak on his behalf. That's how much he trusts you. That's how capable he thinks that you are. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says we are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. He wants us to speak on his behalf. That's how much he says you're capable and I trust you. I am fully capable in Jesus Christ. Now again, why are we capable? Why are we capable? Because Jesus Christ lives in us. We've got Jesus Christ in our hearts, in our life. He's working through us. I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And because of that, I can say, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Because of that, I can say, if God be for us, who can be against us? And because of that, I can say, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. I am fully capable in Jesus Christ. That is my identity in Christ. So let me ask you, what are you going to base your identity on? Are you going to base your identity on what you think about you, on what other people think about you, or what God Almighty thinks about you? As we all stand.